You know, two weeks ago, it was a hot and humid day around 84 degrees. Obviously, I wasn't here. We were standing in line at the Magic Kingdom. I was standing with my son-in-law as the grandkids were getting ready to board the carousel that's in the middle of Fantasyland. Neither of us had any interest in that. So there we were, feeling rather warm. I looked at my son-in-law. I said, you know what? I'm going to go get us an adult beverage. He said, that's a great idea. So off I went to try and find a place. I stopped at a couple of uh, the stands that they have in the area, and I asked them, hey, can I buy an adult beverage here? And the guy smiled, and he said, no. We don't sell adult beverages at the Magic Kingdom. I said, so much for the happiest place on earth. (laughs) I went back and told my son-in-law, and you know how it is when you want something, but you can't get it? How it becomes like something that occupies your mind then all the time? So that was kind of our joke back and forth for the rest of the day. Boy, I could... Really use an adult beverage, me too, but you can't get one at the Magic Kingdom. So finally, when we got back to the condo, obviously, you know what happened. And we were refreshed. You know, it was a want. It was just something that I wanted that day, that he wanted that day. It wasn't a need. So it is in our life, our society, especially in our country. Instant gratification. We want, and we can get it usually, And if we can't get it, then we're frustrated and we focus and we fixate on it. In fact, you could even use the word we thirst for it. If you looked at the definition of thirst in the the dictionary, you would see that a strong desire is one of the definitions of what that word thirst means. We have strong desires. We have thirst for things in our world. Thirsty for things that take us off in different places, thirsty for things that we think will fulfill us, that will satisfy us, that will quench our thirst. But the problem is when we pursue those thirsts, when we pursue those things, we find out they don't. They're a want. They're not a need. You know, that's part of what we pray when we pray the words to the Lord's Prayer, when we say that part of it that says, give us this day, our daily bread. And Luther's explanation to that is that God surely supplies all we need. Not all we want, but what we truly need. I didn't need, as I said, an adult beverage that day. I didn't need it like Jesus needed water as he was hanging on the cross that day, as he uttered the words, I thirst. I mean, I don't think we can truly imagine. Even if you've seen the passion of the Christ or no matter what depiction of this, we cannot wrap our heads around crucifixion of what it really meant. Of the fact that on the cross you're suffocating. So as you're suffocating and trying to get air, you're gasping for it. You're bringing in hot desert air and it's drying you out. We can't imagine the loss of blood that Jesus went through that is dehydrating him. We can't imagine the pain and the agony, the fact that he's in shock. We can't even fathom the fact that he's going through a battle, a spiritual battle that no one can see, a battle for our lives. And so he utters 
that simple need. I thirst for water, for a drink. Because in the next words, he was going to speak words of a psalm, of a prophecy about the suffering Messiah. When he opened his mouth to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there's a verse in that psalm that says, I am dried out like a pot sheared, like a piece of clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Jesus was in need that day. You know, someone captured an event that took place in Palestine during World War I of an advance of an army that was trying to take the town of Sharia. And he talks about what it was like, what it was like to be in that climate, in that heat, in that sun, to be without water. He writes the following. Combined forces were pressing on the rear of the Turkish retreat over an arid desert. The attack outdistanced the water-carrying camel train. Water bottles were empty. The sun blazed piteously out of a sky where vultures wheeled around expectantly. Our heads ached. Our eyes became bloodshot and dim in the blinding glare. Our tongues began to swell. Our lips turned a purplish black. And then they would crack and burst. Those who dropped out of the column were never seen again. But onward we went. We had to fight for our lives. We had to fight that day in order to survive because if we didn't, we would die of thirst because there were wells at Sharia. Wells where we could drink. When we finally entered the town, The first objects that we saw were the great cisterns full of cold, clear water flowing out of those cisterns. Each man desperate for a taste, for a drink. But none of us murmured when the orders came to form up two by two. None of us murmured when the priorities were given that the wounded would receive drink first and then those on guard duty. And then each of us, one by one, to receive that cold, clear water of life. You know, when we are in need, when there truly is a thirst in our lives, something that we are so desperate for that we need to survive, there is nothing like it when it finally quenches us, when it finally meets that need I've never been like that. I've never been that dehydrated. I've surely never been like Jesus the day that he cried out, I thirst. You know, you heard in the scriptures what Jesus said. And Michael Card in his book describes the picture of what the festival that day was that they were celebrating. That it was a festival about Moses in the desert when he had had to strike the rock and water gushed out to feed a grumbling people in the desert like that army. Water that refreshed them. Picture that festival. On that last and greatest day, what would transpire is that the high priest would go to a pool in the temple called the Pool of Siloam. That pool was fed by a mountain stream, cold, clear waters. You know, the Jews called water like that living water. 
You see, there was water that they had in cisterns that came from rain and water that they had in wells. But flowing water, cold, clear streams was called living water. And so the priest would take in a pitcher of that living water and the procession would go back to the altar. And as he began to pour in the silence of that liturgical setting, suddenly a voice rang out in the silence. The voice of Jesus who said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whereas the scriptures have said, Out of him will flow streams of living water. You see, they understood what living water meant when Jesus said it. They understood that it meant water that would quench the thirst. You know, I wonder as you look at that situation, and as we move fast forward to the cross that day, we know how many were standing around mocking Jesus for the words that he had spoken during his ministry. I wonder how many of them, when they heard Jesus cry out, I thirst, thought back to this moment at that festival. To the one who said, anyone who is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. As the scriptures have said, out of them will flow streams of living water. I wonder if they thought, the Messiah, out of whom living water will flow, now thirsts. But you know, if you ponder it even more, I wonder how many times in our lives we make a mockery of Jesus' statement that anyone who is thirsty that comes to him, out of them will flow streams of living water. When we know in our lives we have thirsted, for many other things. And we have pursued that thirst. And we have been quenched on things that will not fill us and will not bring us life, that will only bring us destruction. And yet, at our disposal is the water of life. Made me think of a poem that I learned as a young child from my mother. It was called The Rhyme of the ancient mariner. And there's a line in there that talks about someone who is out on an ocean, dying of thirst. Water, water everywhere. And all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere. Nor any drop to drink. There's an irony of dying of thirst on an ocean where there's water, yet we know we cannot drink Salt water, when we're dehydrated, it will kill us. And yet there is an irony in our lives that Jesus offers us a stream of living water, an ocean around us, and we seek other sources to quench our thirst. Oh, we use words like the thirst for knowledge, the thirst for power, the thirst for wealth, the thirst for whatever it is. We run after it in our lives. We seek it. It's important. It's a want that we have to have. But it leads to death. And it leads to destruction. And it will never quench our thirst. You know, C.S. Lewis in his books, The Chronicles of Narnia, in his fourth book, describes a situation with Aslan the lion, who is a type of Christ, a picture of Christ, as he stands before a stream and has an interaction with a young girl named Jill. 
This is what he writes. Are you thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you go away while I drink? The lion answered this only by a stern look and a low growl. As Jill gazed at the motionless hunk, she realized it would have been easier to ask a mountain to move than to ask the lion to go away so that she could have a drink. The delicious, rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to? Not to do anything to me if I come? I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had stepped closer to the lion and to the stream. Do you eat, girls? She said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, men and women, kings and kingdoms and emperors and cities and realms. He didn't say this to boast or to be angry. It was simply a statement of who he was. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming one step closer, nearer now. I suppose then that I must go and look for another stream. There is no other stream, said the lion. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion. One look at the lion and you knew that he was telling the truth. Her mind was suddenly made up. It was the worst thing that she ever had to do, but she went forward to the stream and knelt down and began to scoop water with her hand. It was the coldest, most refreshing water that she had ever tasted. What a depiction that is of us coming to Jesus, the stream of living water. How easy it is for us to come to other streams in life where we don't fear, where we walk headlong into those things that we think will take care of us, will satisfy us, will quench our thirst. We walk into them and they lead only to death. But when we come to the living water, when we come to Jesus Christ, we draw back. We draw back in fear from the lion because when we come there, we have to be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves and realize that our thirsts and our pursuits and our wants and our desires were all about one person, me. You see, I can't come to Jesus and focus on me. I can't come to that stream and drink I have to admit that I am broken and empty and dark and soiled and dirty and I can't get clean and I can't wash it away. And the only way that that can happen is by coming to a Savior who can save me as I am. No amount of my perfection, no amount of my posturing, no amount of my good works, my deeds, my thoughts, my action is ever going to make me worthy enough to drink from that stream. The only way I can drink from that stream is because Jesus calls me to come and be washed and be nourished 
and to be quenched in the cold, clear waters, the living water that flows only from a Savior, who on the cross cried out in such need, I thirst, and while he died in agony, he won for us that flood that would wash over us to make us whiter than snow. Jesus thirsted so that we could all drink from living water, water that will fill us now and forever, water that will flow out of us because we are connected to the one who is the source, water that will bring hope and life and forgiveness and peace to the world around us. We come to that water empty and broken and soiled and we leave full and clean and in the forgiveness and love of Jesus. We pray with me. Jesus, fountain of living water, wash over us again in this moment with your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for all the things that we thirsted after. We pursued those things. We wanted them. We went the way of ourself, each one of us. It was what we thought was best for us. We ignored everything else. Draw us back into that water. Drown ourselves in it and raise us up again as your people in this place. Wash us clean. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us a stream of living water to the world that you died to redeem that we will be people who bring peace and hope and love and comfort all in your name, Jesus. We ask this. Amen.